Thank you, one and all, for tuning in to What's the Tease. For today's episode, I am joined by a mastermind of transformation, burlesque performance artist Cheeky Lane. Welcome to the show, Cheeky. Hi. So you're currently based out of New York City. This has been your home for just over a decade now. Did you heed a call towards the city that never sleeps? It was a stupid reason. Ah, come on, (laughs) tell us. It was because of a boy. Uh Uh-huh. I actually, I was supposed to move here with someone I was dating at the time Mm -hmm. um, to New York. And he broke up with me a week right before. Oh, no. And we had been coming from our hometown in Connecticut. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was just really stubborn about it. And I I was like, you know what? I I, I feel like shit. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I don't care. I I thought I was going to move there. I'll just move there on my own. Mm -hmm. And so that at least if I'm depressed, I'll do it in the city. I'll do it in someplace new than like in our old hometown where like, I don't think anyone has a, like as a, a budding adult wants to hang out (laughs) (laughs) in their hometown and be like, yeah, let's, let's just stay here and, and, and be sad. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So yeah. And that's how, that's how I ended up coming. And then I, um, you know, I, I had to hunt for jobs right away. Mm Mm-hmm. Back then, there wasn't social media or anything, so I kind of had to look up. I looked up what I was interested in, which was at that time, mm-hmm. um, wedding event decorations. Okay. And instead, I ended up finding an article about some woman who basically made sets and props for photography. And it was this article about how she did everything DIY, you know, from scratch. And she always had to figure out how to make new and and just kind of obscure props mm-hmm. from any sort of, like, client, art director. I was like, oh, I read it. That's what I do for, you know, my art. Okay. And I cold emailed her. I found her email, I found her website, and then I emailed her, and I asked if I could work with her, and I interned with her once, and she loved me, and then I ended up working with her for, like, three years. Okay. So, like, you used to create art already. Was this, like, something that you did that was self-taught, or did you, had you gone to school for, for that kind of skill? I've done art all my life, you know, so from elementary school in a high school, mm-hmm. I did do one year in art school and then I dropped out. Oh, yeah. I kind of had this rebellious moment where I, I needed to put art down for a second because I had done art for so long in my life. And then everyone was like, oh, this is what you need to do. And I kind of hate it when everyone tells me a certain thing and then just my natural instinct is to do the opposite mm-hmm. <laughs> be like I'll show you don't tell me what to do so I I dropped it 
for a bit, and I actually have a degree in psychology. Oh, wow. Yeah, and by the time I was in my fourth year in psychology, I was over that. Uh -huh. <laughs> and But I got the degree, and then I went back into art, and then I really loved it. And that's when I knew, like, okay, well, I put it down. I couldn't abandon it. And, like, when I came back, I really loved it, and I started doing art installations which is not that far from, you know, making props and sets. And yeah. so that's kind of, it seemed like a natural leeway to go into that. Awesome. So when it comes to your burlesque journey, I believe you debuted in 2010. At yes. At the Bowery uh, Poetry Club as part of the New York School of Burlesque Student Showcase. So what got you into burlesque? <laughs> so a year after coming to New York, landing you know I went I I spent like a really like hard year like hustling for work mm -hmm. and you know so I was um, assisting uh, a prop stylist helping her do sets and then I think I got some freelance illustration jobs too mm -hmm. that whole year was all about just getting a job and also defying everyone because everyone like, all my friends and family kind of looked at me going, you know, moving to New York after the breakup being like, oh, okay, well, you're, you're going to move where he moved? Okay. Mm -hmm. And so I felt, I felt like I had something to prove. You know, yes. I had to make it for myself and not just be there, like, pining away or, you know, like, they thought I was, like, stalking him or something, which I wasn't. I just was trying to live my life. So a year had passed and I got the work situation straight. And in New York, if you don't have the work situation straight, you're kind of screwed because uh, like yeah. in order for you to enjoy life, you you have to have the the finances and yeah. like all that set up. So you know, I found an apartment a studio apartment that I still live in now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and you know, I was getting consistent work and I finally could breathe a little. But then it was a little bit like, oh, okay, I got that done. Oh, I don't have friends. Who do I hang out with? This is so weird. It was actually depressing because, you know, I'm still broke, you know, like I'm sad about the breakup. And then I think meeting when you first move to New York without people yeah. it's a little awkward to start meeting people and mm -hmm. you know I'm not a bar goer so I don't just go hang out at bars and drink and then chat it up with people mm -hmm. and in New York you know everyone kind of has their own schedule and they have their own group I think it's a little hard to just kind of jump in and be like hey yeah. Can I be friends? <laughs> so, so I was really depressed, and you know, I I I hate feeling sad. So, you know, I had to kind of get myself. I had to like reassess. I had to just kind of be like, all right, well, then, well, what will make you happy? Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, maybe I'll take a dance class. So. I looked up dance classes, and I think back then, God, back in 2010, I have to say, like, burlesque hadn't blown up yet, so maybe, like, 
you know, the go-to, like, kind of classes, you know, must have been, like, ballet, ballroom, mm-hmm. ballet Contemporary dance. hip-hop. Yeah, and I ended up picking burlesque. I wasn't even sure what it was. Mm-hmm. And then I picked it, you know, and, and I remember... Um, I didn't do it to want to perform. In fact, like the last time I had been on stage was like elementary school. You uh-huh. know, they make you do that. Yeah. They yeah. weren't like, you know, I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't a kid being like, everyone look at me now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, like yeah, yeah. Yeah. Some people grew up like that. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, it definitely wasn't me. Cause also if you like, asked my childhood friends they'd be like what what is she doing now um (laughs) are you sure you got the right person (laughs) yeah what so weird so i you know i was looking at the new york school of burlesque classes i was like okay well maybe i'll take one of these i think i took an in i took an intro for sure but i also recall seeing like back then world famous bob Mm -hmm. who still lived in new york had like her week like six week four six week courses mm-hmm. and then at the end of it there's a student showcase and I specifically remember seeing that and being like oh hell no <laughs> <laughs> I was just like I am not I just want to do this for fun I don't need to and for friends. like have this <laughs> yeah I don't need that pressure and mm-hmm. then like to humiliate myself at the end of it like this is for recreation mm-hmm. so I ended up taking a class for fun, you know, just to get me out of my rut. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I did start meeting friends. Like I met, you know, I, I met people in class and then, you know, then they started turning me on to shows that were going on in the city. Mm-hmm. And back then, Facebook was the only social media mm-hmm. and it was useful then. This is before ugly arguments and trolling you know I was able to get online and then like kind of follow people and then be like oh wow there's like a show this week and you know and it's like here it's in Coney Island it's a slipper room Mm -hmm. so I would go and then and then it'd be nice because I would see some of my teachers there like Gal Friday Jezebel Express and they would say hi and so I wouldn't feel like such a goddamn creep like just <laughs> lurking at a bar you know yeah because you're like I, ca- I go here you know this is my school my people yeah and then also like to have something to watch you know while you're hanging out so you're yeah. not just like I'm gonna sit alone at a bar and wait until someone talks to me or something mm-hmm. so um that was great and then so I was just going to shows just to watch and just to, um be entertained and Everyone was great, you know. And then there was this one show. I went to the Brooklyn Bowl. Um, it was a late, late show. Mm-hmm. And I went by myself. I went after work. And I don't know if you're familiar with Bastard Keith. He was there. He hosted. Yeah. And he was he was very mean that night as a host. <laughs> he was very cutting. And, and it wasn't undeserved because... Um, it was really late, so it was that very drunk crowd. And at yeah. Brooklyn Bowl, where they're a venue that's, like, more for music and yes. not particularly for just, like, watching entertainment, the, the audience was rowdy. Yeah. 
it was a small crowd, but they were an unruly crowd. Yeah. And he was so mean, but so funny. And I was blown away by the performances. I think that show, Harvest Moon was in it. Uh, Trixie and Monkey. Oh, yeah. E-Cat. So the show ended. Bastard Keith comes out, um, and he's just hanging out. And I don't know. I, I don't know why I felt compelled to talk to him, even though he was so scary on stage. Because <laughs> you don't know. You're like, oh, he's so mean. Like, yeah. He's probably mean in person. His name's fucking Bastard Keith. Yeah. Um, but he was actually a sweetheart. And I mentioned that I was taking classes, you know, so that's why I was at the show looking yeah. and, like, watching. And he was just like, okay, okay, that's great. Um, when are you going to go on? I was like, what? Yeah. No. Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and I think, like, I, I had that immediate, like, rejection, you uh-huh. know, of, like, oh, hell no. And then it kind of planted the seed, though. Yeah. Because then, like, after that, I would see him at other shows because, you know, the circle was small. So it was kind of the same 20-ish, 30-ish performers you would see mm-hmm. all around. So no matter what show and, like, where you went, you'd see at least, like, the same people. Mm-hmm. And so I would see him again and I would say hi again at other shows and then he would still keep on you know, encouraging and be like, well, I can't wait to see you on stage and see yeah. like what you bring. And then, so that kind of like, was like, oh, okay, then I guess. And so that kind of like nudged me in like from a hell no. And I'm just doing this for just to not, like be social. Yes. Yes. To like a thing. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> It's amazing how everyone's story is different, you know, how they came to the art form. I, I definitely, when people were like, oh, like, why did you get I was like, I didn't want to get into this. <laughs> <laughs> you were like, no, this was not for me. Like, I'm here for completely different reasons. And then yet, yeah, you are today. <laughs> yeah. So from your first act, Pig, you've applied your skills as a sets and prop master, which you became. Could you dare to define the brand of burlesque that is expressed by Cheeky Lane and that, of course, Bastard Keith was wanting to see you, you know, bring to the scene? You know, like, were you actively thinking about that? Um, oh, my gosh. <laughs> you credit me with too much. I definitely was not thinking. <laughs> <laughs> um you know, there wasn't a specific direction, um, especially initially when I went into it. I mean, you know, I was kind of, I was resistant. And then I went from resistant to like, oh, well, maybe. And then to plunging in. And it was more like, okay, can I, can I do this? It's really fucking scary. And I have a, I have a personal thing like where if it's scary, then I'm almost compelled to do it because, um, especially if it's like kind of like emotionally, mentally scary, then I a lot of times kind of dare myself mm-hmm. um, to do it because it's kind of like, oh, well, are you going to regret it? Are you like, what's the big deal? Like, is like humiliation the worst? 
Like, <laughs> and then I get into this like mindset and then that's how I end up doing things that are crazy sometimes. Mm-hmm. And so, no, I wasn't, I didn't have anything in mind. And, you know, with neo burlesque versus say like classic or something, mm-hmm. what I saw, like the opportunity that I had was to have no rules. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't have to follow a certain aesthetic, which isn't to say that I like didn't, like when I started, I think when a lot of girls start, they do the corset and 1920s stockings thing. Mm-hmm. Everyone does that. I think everyone just kind of like, that's where I start. And then eventually you stick to it or you don't, you kind of figure out your personality, like what you like to wear. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and for me, I didn't, like I said, I, I don't have a stage background, so I'm not an actress. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of performers here who have an acting background and dance movement. I'm a mm-hmm. horrible mover. A horrible dance person. And, uh, <laughs> and so I think that I leaned on my costumes because that was my strength. Mm-hmm. In fact, the pig costume, the greatest thing about that was that in the act, the pig head comes off last. Mm-hmm. So it was a nice buffer as a first act for me to to do the act without my face. Because mm-hmm. that's really scary. Um, and to almost like hide during the whole time except at the end. Mm-hmm. Interesting. <laughs> so, yeah. And um, the second, third to fourth years were really hard for me because I explored acts that were not costume heavy Mm -hmm. because like after your, after my first year, you know, everything's new, you're new and shiny Mm -hmm. and you could be bad and it's okay because you're new and shiny. (laughs) But then like as time passes, you're not new anymore. And if you're kind of still bad, like I know that I, put that kind of like Asian parent pressure on myself mm-hmm. where I was like, well, you, you very good or get out. Like, what are you doing here? Mm-hmm. So I, um, try to get away from costumes to work better on my movements, on my facial expressions, I can't say that they were all successful. I definitely had so many times I walked off stage being like, "Ugh, I sucked. I wasn't confident. I didn't, you know, I didn't like that was not what, you know. Um, So those were like really hard. But for some reason, I still liked it. I still liked it enough that I stuck to it. And then eventually I came back around with costuming again because I realized that that was that was unique to me. Mm-hmm. And so I went back into costuming, like bigger, yeah. like visually elaborate, um, you know, with like more skill set, yeah. the other stuff that I was missing. So, you know, like taking my crutches away and then going back. Yeah. So speaking of going back, you actually retired uh, the pig act in 2012. But then in recent years, it has once again seen the lights of the stage. So did you feel the need to revise the act in any way to suit you as a now more seasoned artist? I didn't. Well, I didn't. And I can't be like, oh, it's because, 
the integrity of the, <laughs> I, was, I was lazy. I, I did not have time. Um, that was, that was a good percentage of the reason, but also, um, the re reason why that, that, um, got retired too was because that was like in my early days of costuming. That whole thing is made out of cardboard <laughs> and it has throughout the years become super brittle mm. and really like I feel like the arms, the head, I don't know. They just, every time I move it, it cracks and I'm sure if I move it now, cause it's on, it's in my living room. It's on top of the bureau. Yeah. Um, it'll probably start dusting or something. It'll have to go in the cheeky lane hall of fame. <laughs> yeah. And, um, my, my living room, my studio, mm -hmm. <laughs> when I made it, you know, I, I wasn't thinking about anything. I wasn't thinking about like the long term. I wasn't thinking about like movement, mm -hmm. like dancing in it, mm -hmm. um, which is funny. It's, kind of represents like all this stuff about you know going and in, diving into like as a burlesque performer and you just don't think about stuff you're just making it and then like now looking back you're like okay well why didn't you think about this or that you know because now like my puppets and the things that I make a lot of the brain work and leg work is around transportation um, mm. longevity if it can last um hauling around the city and then, you know, break down transit. Yeah. And that was like never considered like the pig. It was just, I want to do this. And then, you know, I, I didn't think I was going to do it for 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> so of course, as you mentioned, you employ your puppeteering techniques in your costuming of your acts, like Ganesha and house. And throughout the striptease, that illusion of the mechanics remains. And that is something that I am absolutely in awe of. So I'm interested to know what has been your most challenging undertaking when trying to animate a burlesque act in this way? The reverse mermaid one that I just did, mm -hmm. the porcelain fish, it's, that was the most challenging. Mm -hmm. As the years have gone by, I've also, you know, I've learned new skills and of course I can't help but apply them. And, um, I get ambitious, you know, my thought process behind making a costume usually is like, okay, I want this to happen. Mm -hmm. So I need to go from point A to point B and I'm super focused on point B. I don't ever worry about, um, I don't pre-stress about how I get to point B. Yeah. I just know that I need to be there. And then, I mean, fish took me three years, although technically part of it. Part of it was just because life got in the way. So it wasn't really three years. Probably would have totaled to like maybe five months in the making. Mm -hmm. um, but a lot of that has to do with like just troubleshooting, mm -hmm. engineering, and doing the funny things I wanted to do. Um, because when you're working with like your imagination, you're just like, okay, I just, I want this to happen. And then, and then reality kind of like pulls it back and Obviously, you want to you wanna be able to actually hit the goal that you aim for. Mm -hmm. But sometimes, like, you know, <laughs> like between reality and imagination, you kind of have to compromise. Mm -hmm. But hopefully you don't. <laughs> Interesting. You mentioned that, like, these pieces of yours are physically substantial at times. 
So like, how do you navigate going from gig to gig in a place like New York City with these masterpieces in tow? You know, like, what are you doing? Are you taking an Uber? Like, are you like getting on the on the metro? Like, how you? What are you packing it in? Oh, you just grumble all through it. <laughs> I <laughs> you just and then house is in a big IKEA bag um, that you know it's light enough that I can carry in a bag um, over my shoulder. Although it's not super fun, mm-hmm. Ganesh fits in a small suitcase, like um like a carry on suitcase that you can, you know, the size that you can put it overhead on mm-hmm. a plane. Uh, fish right now is the most difficult, but at the same time, I actually have to build a a little bag on top of a hand truck for wow. it. So, you know, not only do I have to build a costume, but I have to make the transport for it. Mm-hmm. Pre-pandemic, you know, I did take a lot of cabs home. I wouldn't really take a cab to like the city or to a gig because um, that's just me being like, thrifty is not the word because, <laughs> you know, because I'm not like being like cheap with myself. It's just, <laughs> it's expensive to live here. And if I don't have yes. to spend on a car um, and now it's kind of even worse, the, the car uber situation i don't know if it's like that with you over there but it got much more expensive oh wow Um, much more expensive like twice if not three times the amount sometimes especially late at night on a weekend night so it's definitely something something to consider and i did consider it but somehow i didn't consider it that (laughs) much with a head yeah i guess like the excitement of like the spectacularness of it, I guess. Yes, yes. Made me completely disregard the other part. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I hope the audience at um, the Asian Valesque Festival certainly appreciated it. Yeah, they they liked it. I think they liked it. <laughs> I don't know. I don't want to sit here and be like, everyone loves it. I don't, I don't know. From what <laughs> I saw, everybody was living for it. I heard cheering through the head. so when you're not taking to the burlesque stage as cheeky lane you can also be found performing as charlie at pump's bar an exotic dance club in brooklyn yeah that's where i was last night yeah when you said 4 (laughs) a.m i kind of (laughs) knew so like does having these personas these two personas allow you to explore different aspects of yourself you know, to be honest, I do think it's different, and I went into stripping for different reasons. Mm-hmm. You weren't trying to make friends like you were in burlesque. <laughs> I, were tr- I wasn't trying to make friends. <laughs> My customers are going to hear this and be like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say that it's just so different. You know, the environment, the vibe, the way you interact with the clientele, it's funny because the first time I went, I walked into Pumps, you know, I, I walked in to kind of like feel the vibe out to be like, okay, can I do this? I want to see what the other women do. Mm-hmm. I want to see like if this is something that I'd be interested in. Like, and I remember I saw a lot of the girls and like, like coming from the burlesque stage, you know, we're always making eye contact. Like, audience wants that connection. They want to, like, see you. And then if you, like, make eye contact, you wink at them. They're like, oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. 
and like that was like that's like your your like power of engagement mm-hmm. you know your your presence you know by making eye contact and looking at everyone mm-hmm. and so like I went into pumps I was like none of these girls are making eye contact like what the hell don't they know like they can you know like get more dudes that way it was just such a stupid like cocky naive mm-hmm. like thought because once I started like the environment there is different it's it's sex work so it's like this um exchange it's not entertainment mm-hmm. and I realized that the audience dictate how you end up how you end up behaving and like mm-hmm. I don't do I sometimes like try to make direct eye contact you have to feel out the room yeah but oftentimes too like men don't they don't want that they want to be the voyeur Mm -hmm. so like it feels different it and I act different I don't necessarily know if it like helps me in the burlesque world like, it might in, in the physical aspect where, like, since I started taking pole now, I have more um, physical body awareness. Mm-hmm. And that might be, like, through time, too. Like I said, I was, I, I was, I still am. Like, I would say that, like, as a dancer, a mover, mm-hmm. like, I'm mediocre. Especially compared to, like, people who've been doing it all their lives. Circus people, mm. you know, doing, like stuff all their lives I'm a mediocre mover but having to constantly engage my body has now like made me a little bit more a better mover so in in that aspect like I think it affects like that's how it kind of spills over but in terms of like personality mood um I kind of compartmentalize I think they're two different things You've been performing at Slipper Room since 2014, and you've even referred to it as a second home in New York City. Like, what is your favorite thing about performing in this iconic off-Broadway space? Um, the other performers. Uh-huh. I, you know, like I met my best friend there, Gal, Gal Friday. Friday. <laughs> yeah, and also I have to say that, like, when I first met her there, like when it was downstairs, mm-hmm. like I didn't really know her. Like, I just knew her as, like, the teacher, and I kind of knew her as, like, oh, it's Gal Friday. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. She's amazing. Yeah. I would say, like, all the performers. And, you know, James does a good job of understanding what art has to be, mm-hmm. which is free. For less since it blew up, there will always be producers, venue owners, who like the idea of it but they want it restrained to their concepts yes of beauty aesthetics i don't know all all these words that i would just you know throw under the category of like capitalism because at the end of it the day it's about their business and making making their their bar tab what i don't know whatever term yeah. <laughs> whatever like over. money that you make yeah <laughs> and <laughs> yeah I don't <laughs> and um you know with James I think he really appreciates art and letting us express ourselves letting mistakes happen mm-hmm. letting experiment 
things happen. You know, I, I've been able to bring things on stage that he doesn't need to clear. Mm-hmm. And, like, we've all kind of had, like, off nights. Like, we can suck. Mm-hmm. We can try something. We can do something offbeat. And he appreciates it. Yeah. I think. And the other performers who are all there also, like, were into that. So, like, you know, we all just hang out, geek over each other's acts. Because, mm-hmm. you know, after doing it for 10 years, you still watch people bring stuff. and Or even just, like, old acts that you've seen over and over. And yeah. you can still be like, fuck, that is so good. I think, like, that's become, like, my comfort, like, place, you know, to, like... It, both as a performer and audience member, you know, like I'll perform there and I have like the time of my life on stage, but then like I can also stay and switch over to an audience and still be super mesmerized Mm -hmm. by the stage and whoever's on it and like be entertained. And I think that's like the magic of it. Like, I guess that's like, I'm into the making and consuming of live entertainment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 I second that. (laughs) so cheeky to wrap us up what do you have in store for the tail end of 2021 um fish is not done yet (laughs) Uh work in progress yes it's um i pushed this act out kind of almost like a preemie baby Mm -hmm. which is funny i've been reflecting on how like you know when i was greener i always saw it like oh i don't know I need to do the full costume. It needs to be ready. It needs to be completely rhinestone. The choreography needs to be completely. And now it's a scene from the performer. I'm like, it just needs to come out. Yeah. I don't care if it's not finished. Like, it's good enough for now. Mm-hmm. You know, just like the choreography will change throughout time. Mm-hmm. And so I can keep adding to it. Um, so Fish is not quite done, like, both physically and just uh, as for me, like, to do, explore it and how I want with the choreography within the act Mm -hmm. just exploring the movement of the puppet and how audience reacts to it and and perfecting the movement Mm -hmm. Um, which is watching lots and lots of videos of myself unfortunately (laughs) Um, but you know like with a puppet like you can't um, you have to rely on video and other eyes Um, which isn't to say you can't do that with burlesque it's just watching yourself on video is always hard but yeah i'm doing that and then i have another also new act of an air guitaring act uh-huh. to van halen uh-huh sounds right up your alley yeah and so i'll be working that one too that that one is my my uh self-care because that whole costume fits in a tiny little tote mm-hmm. you know this is like my love language to myself is having a small costume. So, yeah. Oh, brilliant. Sounds all very exciting. And I'm very glad about this love language and this love letter of an act that you've got going for yourself. (laughs) (laughs) How to not make your life difficult and kick ass on stage at the same time. Yeah, it just, I needed to make it up to myself after getting carried away with fish. (laughs) Brilliant. Where would you like us to follow and support the work that you do? I'm on Instagram. I am 
barely, barely on Facebook. So Instagram would be the place to follow me. Okay, awesome. So I guess all that's left to say from my side, Cheeky, is thank you to the ever crafty, witty, and naughty by nature, Cheeky Lane, for joining me for this episode of What's the Tease? Thank you so much.